Welcome to your shelf. Or mine. Or mine. Or mine. <laughs> I'm Becky Standall, Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. I'm Jennifer King, Technology Librarian at the Longview Public Library. I'm Chris Scogset, the Library Director at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Jacob Collins. I'm a Library Technician at the Longview Public Library. Yay, thanks everybody for coming on to the podcast. And Jacob, thanks for sounding so much like George Takei. <laughs> <laughs> or mine. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> oh, you guys. So today we're going to be talking about um, the first half of the library sampler, which um, we teased in a couple of YouTube videos you can watch on our YouTube channel. I did one what is a commercial about how to request a sampler? And at the end, I made a sampler request. And then I uh, we filmed a video of me unboxing my sampler request, which was really fun. And so I've spent time reading these five books, um, and we're going to talk about three of them today. But before we do that, um, we just have some quick library news. Um, right now we're in the middle or almost in the middle of winter reading 2021, which we're doing on Beanstack this year, and we're doing the Beanstack program, which is sponsored by Simon & Schuster's Books Like Us. All you need to do is sign up on our Beanstack site, longviewlibrary.beanstack.org, and log five books to finish and win a cool prize. So um, if you read five books, you get to choose a prize, either a beanie with the library logo on it. We just got those yesterday, and they're really nice. Or you can have a tiny um, stuffed bear, which is pretty cute. And then you'll also be entered to win one of six grand prizes, which are personally curated book boxes. Um, participating also helps the library potentially win a prize, a collection of books, or a virtual author visit. I set a community goal for the library um, and readers of the library to read 5,000 books during the month of January. And I think that was too lofty of a goal. Um, we were like almost at like 350 yesterday and it's like almost halfway through the month. So I'm picking up the pace of my reading and I'm logging like picture books and stuff that I'm reading. And I think that'll help if you guys log some picture books that you read. Uh, that'll be good. But yeah. What was I thinking? <laughs> You're just being very optimistic. <laughs> I think I was thinking like there'll be some like little kids and they'll read like 50 picture books. But even that, that's, you know, that's not 5,000. <laughs> Anyways, I think we could at least get to 1,000. But I'm not I'm modifying the goal. So <laughs> please, everybody, log all your books. All reading counts. Comic books count. Even if they're single issues. Audiobooks, picture books, everything. Not magazines, because that's not a book. I read a book. <laughs> what did you read? That, and I, I can see it from here, but I can't remember what the title is, but it's that graphic novel you gave me that's got all the odd, really pretty colors, but kind of confusing colors. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the title of that one? It's called The Sun, A Map of the Sun. 
Yes. Uh, yes. So I actually did read that in 2021. It's the first book I have read. Log it on Beanstack. <laughs> I will. <laughs> was it good? It was, yeah. I think I liked it better than Becky did. I had the, I think, um, part of it is the, it was the color scheme that they used was confusing. So I think it was a little bit difficult to keep track of characters. Um, I felt like I did okay with that and it didn't bother me as much as, you know, um, I know it bothered a lot of, a lot of people, but it was a good story. I liked it, um, about friendship and sports and, um, yeah, it was a good one. I liked it. Yeah. I think like a lot of people liked it better than me. It's like cool looking. She uses like really bright, like pop colors, but the color palette changes like every, I don't know, 10 pages. And so like someone's skin is like pink and their hair is purple. And then like 10 pages later, their skin is green and their hair is brown. So it's hard. Yeah, it's hard for me to like yeah. keep track of it. <laughs> and you're you're not the only one. I read a few other reviews that were you know uh, critical of of the coloring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like yeah. a Russian novel where they change. You know, there's twelve diminutives of a single name, and you don't if you're not Russian, you don't know it. So you, <laughs> you don't know they're talking about the same person that they keep talking about. Yeah, that's kind of how. Um, this is a good segue. That's kind of how this book was. So this is the book that. And actually, so before I get into this, is called Lord of Light. It's by Robert Zelazny. Roger. Roger Zelazny. See, I don't even. It's a science fiction classic. <laughs> Have you read it, Chris? Yeah, years ago. It's been okay. a while. I was wondering, like, last night, I was like, oh, I wonder if Chris or Jennifer have read this book. So it, like, when I unboxed the the bag of books, I was like, oh, maybe it will be hard to, you know, tell who picked what. But I found it to be incredibly easy, actually. I feel like there's five books. I feel like Austin wouldn't have picked any of the other books except for the one that he picked. There's, like, some things where, like, I remember talking to Daniel when he read the book that he picked, like, a couple of years ago and how much he really liked it then. Obviously, I know that Chris loves Cork Dork. <laughs> um, anyways, so it was uh, – it ended up being, like, just – a pretty easy process of elimination. Pretty, yeah, it was. It's like, well, they wouldn't have picked this or that. Okay, so I'm going to start talking about Lord of Light because it's. I didn't finish it. Uh, I had a really hard time, and I got, like, a little over halfway through. So I'm page 158 of 296, which I think is, like, a really good... I'm really proud of making it that far. Let me just say. <laughs> this is the book that Jacob picked, and I felt kind of bad about about it because I was like, oh, this, this is like Jacob's favorite book or something. But Jacob, that's not true. Could you tell me about the process of you selecting this book for me to read? I sure can. Uh, <laughs> I have never read Lord of Light. <laughs> um, and I had a really hard time of thinking of a book that I had read that you hadn't because I haven't been doing a lot of reading recently. And so, and if I've been doing reading, I've been doing it for work and they're reading, I'm reading the same exact books that you are for work. So um, it was just a really tough process for me. And I went, well, maybe if I do some Google searching on books with, like, good characters and, like, good character development and that kind of thing, um, and maybe something that was sci-fi, I might be able to find something that you would enjoy. And when I was reading, like, a curated list of, like, top picks with for those categories, Lord of Light came up. 
And so I read a couple of reviews of it. And I went, oh, yeah, this sounds pretty good. I think she might like this. And you you didn't. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting, too, because, like, I was on Goodreads and I was looking at the reviews. And I kept looking because it is really well reviewed. And I feel like um, my takeaway is that you have to really love this book to finish it. And that's why the reviews are so high. That's what I think. That's my theory. Because people do really love this book. And I, I like, I think if it wasn't for reading, like, a bunch of different synopses of the book, I would even have an idea of, like, what was going on or what it was about. So what it's about is that, um, I guess, uh, there's people have colonized some other planet and have developed or used some sort of technology where they can, like, reincarnate themselves and, like, live forever. They also, some of them have attributes, which are, like, magical powers. And so, like, the people in control have adopted, like, like the identities or personas of, like, um, gods and goddesses in, like, the, the Hindi pantheon. But there's, and there's also, like, a Buddha character, and he's, like, the main character. And he goes by, like, 20 different names. Um, so that's confusing. And, um, like, the first chapter is, like, kind of throws you in there. They've reincarnated. Uh, Sam is his name. And that was, like, really hard for me to read. But then when I got to the second chapter, I was like, oh, okay, like, this is going to start clipping along. But then when the second chapter ended, at the third chapter, it was, like, something completely different, and it was hard to read again. So it's, like, every chapter, and the really long chapters, like, 50-page chapters, it kind of just, like, starts a completely different, like, period of time. It's been, like, 50 years, and now they're, I don't know. But I only knew about the, the colonizing and the human part from the, like, back of the book and, like, the descriptions of people on Goodreads. I didn't catch that from the actual book. Like, if I was reading it, I would just think, okay, like, this is a fantasy novel about gods. So I found it confusing. Chris, what do you remember about Lord of Light? Uh, not dissimilar. I mean, I did finish it. It is a confusing book, I think. It's also very centered in when it was written. I mean, the, in the 60s, you know, when that when it came out, it probably made a lot more sense to people because that's when, you know, the Beatles, you know, started talking about, you know, Indian-related, uh, you know, the Pantheon and all that. Just that sort of came out in that, that era. Uh, and I think, I, th- I think it's very fitting for that time. I'm not sure it would, I, again, I haven't read it for probably 30 years, but I wouldn't think maybe it would maybe translate as well into the future as it did at the time. But that happens with, obviously, we know a lot of books are that way. Um, it was confusing at times. I remember that as well. Uh, so I don't disagree with with, with what, anything you've said. I enjoyed it to a certain extent, but yeah. it's not something I could sit there and say, wow, this is you know, the greatest thing I've ever read, or it's not definitely not the worst thing I've ever read either. So it's just, it's, it was interesting, I'll just say that, which is so vague, and that, that's what my, that's my wife always says. That's what I always say when I don't want to say anything mean about something. I'll say <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make it to the end. Like, last night, I was like, I'll try again. And I read, like, three pages, like, kind of blindly. You know, like, you can't focus on a book, and you can just, like, turn the pages, but you have no idea what's happening. <laughs> Done that. Yeah. So, That's I would just... 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is kind of hard to be like, oh, am I just having, like, a terrible day, and I can't read anything? Or uh, do I hate this book? 
But I would just really say that this book is not for me. And that's a very fair assessment. <laughs> um, but, so, um, so this, among others, by Joe Walton is the book that Jennifer picked, right? Yes. And um, it's also science fiction, kind of. It's uh, We don't shove it in this genre science fiction section, but it won a Nebula Award. And when I opened my pack and I read, like, the descriptions of all of the books, I was like, I'm going to like this book the best. It just, like, seems like have Becky all over it. It's like she's a teenage girl and she's going to a boarding school and her family is all messed up. And there's some sort of family secret and there's, like, magic in it. And I was like, this is exactly what I want. Um, and I did really enjoy it. I think, so the main character, her, she goes by more, more Wayna, or there was like a reveal at the end. Anyways, her twin sister has recently died, um, and she goes to this boarding school. And the whole book is her diary. And um, she like really just hints at like what killed her sister. And like there's her family does magic, and her mom is like an evil witch. But a lot of the book is just her reading science fiction novels and talking about how much she loves sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, like, if if I knew more about the books that she was talking about or if she was talking about books that I also really loved, I would have really, really liked the book. I think she does talk about Zelazny in this book. I don't remember if she talks about Lord of Light. Um, but, yeah, there was, like, a lot of, like, and then I read this book and it was great or it was terrible. Which I'd like, but I would have liked it better, I think, if I'd read more of the books. It did really make me think about how little, like, classic science fiction I've read. Um, like, obviously, I've read, I didn't even finish, like, Lord of the Rings, but I read most of it. Uh, <laughs> but, and, um, but I did really enjoy it. I did, I did think and expect that there would be, like, a bigger reveal at the end because she keeps talking about like what happened to her sister and what her, the deal with her mom is and like she's from Wales and uh she had to run away from there because she'd been living with her grandparents and her grandmother died and her grandfather like got hurt and so he's in like a uh like a medical facility um and she she ends up calling like social services to take care of herself and they sent her t to get taken care of by her father who like left the family when she and her sister were like infants and, and she ends up, uh, he doesn't have any money, but his sisters, his half sisters are really wealthy and they put her in boarding school. Um, so I thought there was going to be more of like a reveal by the end of like what happened. And there kind of was, I guess I just thought it would be like more dramatic. Um, but it was a real, like kind of just like a slice of life type of story with these little, um, like fantastical elements in it. So it was, it was really nice and I liked it. Yeah. Jennifer, why did you pick it for me? Um, you know, it really wasn't what I was originally going to. I was going to make you read some Scandinavian noir. Um, <laughs> but I think I was looking through my Goodreads and I ran across that book and it just seemed like it fit your description. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been a while because I, I don't read, I've never read anything by Joe Walton. I don't, even though I started out as like, as a reader reading a lot of science fiction and fantasy, it's not something that I really read now. Um, but I had attended and I think Chris attended the same session at, um, ALA in Las Vegas. It was a panel of science fiction fantasy writers and we got to, you know, get a bunch of free books and that was one that I read. 
and I don't actually, I don't remember, like I get a sense of, because I remember it talking about, and I had the same thing, like, you know, some of the books I was familiar with, but not, um, not all of them. And I might be mixing up another, another book, but it was just, yeah, it was just kind of the, um, I guess the slice of life that I kind of liked about it um, when I read it. Cause I don't, I really don't, I don't remember. I don't remember like what, <laughs> what even the reveal, even if it wasn't that big of a reveal, I, I just remember, I just have more of a sense of it being an enjoyable book. It wasn't, you know, my favorite book ever, but I just thought um, that it would be a, a good one to fit your, your, um, your request. I, I, when Jennifer mentioned to me that she'd picked that for you, I thought, oh, I should have picked that book. <laughs> That's a book I have read, and I am, and I do know almost all the references that are in that book, so I love that book. I, I, I read it before we actually went to that, that session at ALA. I'd already read it at that time. That was, and that year it came out, it was one of my favorite books that came out that year. Um, and again, it was because of that, it was almost like a, it's sort of a, a memory sort of thing. It kind of triggers a lot of those memories of those, because I read a lot of classic science fiction when I was young. That was kind of my big reading when I was a teenager, especially. So, um, yeah, so that book, I, yeah, I thought that was a great book. And I said, oh, I should have picked that one. <laughs> yeah, it did make me think there are, um, there are books that I've read that where the characters really like connected to like a lot of my favorite books. Like if it's, I think of them kind of like this girl, girlhood books, like Madeline Lingle's books or like, you know, Little Women or Jane Eyre or something where they keep talking about these same books that I've also read. Yeah, so I can see, like, how that book would, would really connect if you've read all of these books. And it did make me want to read some of them. I think I think there's, like, probably a lot of uh, datedness in classic science fiction that I wouldn't care for. I think especially my impression is that especially, like, men who are writing in, like, the 60s science fiction kind of had a failure of imagination of like what life in the future for women could be like. And so a lot of like those like kind of gender roles and and stuff still, you know, exist in these worlds that they've imagined like into the future, which I don't care to read about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but she does talk about wonder like, why. <laughs> um about like some of like the women who were writing science fiction at that time, because this book takes place in the seventies. That I think would be I, I would enjoy reading. Oh yeah, like Ursula Gwynn. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then and you think yeah, so and then this um this cork dork which Chris picked, right? Yes. <laughs> when I opened the bag and the sample, I was like, is this a trick? Everyone knows like Chris loves this book. Like, maybe Jacob picked it to try to trick me. Um, but I decided that probably wasn't the case. Um, so this is by B- Bianca Bosker. And she's, like, young. She wrote this book yes. in her, like, late 20s. And this is, I think, the only nonfiction anyone picked for me. And it was really fun. I think, like, I read the first chapter or the introduction, and I was like, this is real in the weeds. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Um, but after the introduction, she, you know, you don't have to know, like, anything really about wine to read it. I was kind of worried when I started that I was, like, not going to get it. Um, but, it, yeah, it was really fun. She does – so it's about, like, a year or a little over a year that she spent, like, dedicating her life to drinking wine and becoming a sommelier. And – uh I really like, it really made me, like, it really made me want to drink wine, which it's not a surprise, I guess, uh, you know, like a book that 
about food that just makes you hungry the whole time that you yeah. eat it. Um, but it also made me think a lot about like smell and taste and like our senses. I don't think like, so Chris, I think you read this book and you were like, I want to be a sommelier. Yeah. That book was kind of the first thing I, was the first book I ever really read about wine and it sort of triggered something in my head. So yeah, I can completely relate to what you're saying. Um, it definitely, I like, uh, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to do that because um, there are parts of this where I'm like, wow, that's like, that's a lot. It's yeah. like it takes so much work. But there were uh, like a lot of it where I'm like, oh, you know, that does make me more interested in like, you know, like she talks about like practicing smelling where I think that could be like a worthwhile endeavor just as like a person, even if you're not going to, you know, bl- get into blind tasting wine. Uh, it was like a little different than I thought. I guess I thought like a wine book would be a lot or I would have more about like making wine in it. And she really doesn't get into that at all. It's all no, about. I can point you, I can point you to other books if you want one books about that. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> it's all about drinking wine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and it did like at the end, I don't know if she still like works at the, at the wine bar. She talks about working out at the end of the book. Um, but I was like, that sounds like a fun wine bar to go to. It's in New York City. Yeah, I think she works there some. I don't think she works there all the time, but, well, probably before COVID, but. Yeah. Um, well, go ahead. And it was interesting. Well, yeah, I was just going to tell you how I came about that book. Actually, I wasn't going to pick that book for you. <laughs> I was the last, one of the last books I was thinking of. Oh, well, cause first of all, I was thinking, oh, let's pick something she wouldn't know what that was for me. Because obviously, I, you would know that was for me. I know that, unless you said someone was trying to trick you. But <laughs> I started to figure out what I would, what things, the books I would think about that I thought you would like. And I had a lot of trouble finding ones that either you hadn't read or that I could find in the library or, you know, and so I started going down the list. I'm going, we were getting closer and closer to the date. I'm going, I got to pick something. I've got to find something. So I just, all of a sudden that book popped into my head and I said, okay, I will pick this one because I also saw on your Goodreads list that you had read some books like Mark Karlansky and some of the books about food and things, you know, and those kind of, some of those specific nonfiction kind of things. I thought, well, maybe she might enjoy this anyway, since she seemed to like those, that, that, that kind of book as well. Um, and I also figured, well, no one's gonna, no one else is gonna probably pick her a nonfiction book. So, you know, and that's always good for, as we all talk about in readers' advisory, it's always good to, if you can slip a one nonfiction book that a person might like, that's always a yeah. good thing to try, at least. <laughs> yeah, that, like, as on a whole, the sampler was really good, cause I feel like it was like, like what the book that Jennifer picked was kind of like exactly what I asked for. Um, and what's the thing like that Nancy Pearl says, like you should have something that's exactly what they ask for and something that's like, you know, kind of what they ask for that they'll probably like. And like maybe something like completely different or almost completely different. And I think that the sampler had like different things. And I think a good example of like what you might get in a sampler is like maybe a book that you can't finish, but you'll find, you know, something in there that like that you'll really like. But yeah. I was also thinking a lot about when I was reading Cork Dork, I thought a lot about the movie um, French Kiss, that Meg Ryan movie where she goes to France. And it's got like Kevin Klein in it. And he teaches her how to taste wine by his little smelling kit, which is, I don't know, maybe the most I knew about smelling in wine before I read this book. And there's like an episode of Parks and Recreation where um, they go to this like, thing and take like a smelly test oh yeah 
And I kept imagining she has, like, one friend that she made who, like, really helps her, like, throughout the book, like, learn about wine and introduces her to all these people. And his name is, like, Morgan or something? Yes, Morgan. And I, in my mind, picture him as Billy Eichner. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because of that episode of Parks and Recreation. He might not be like that at all, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I just, like, helped me connect to him and, like, build this, like, character in my mind of what I thought. And I do really like Billy Eichner. He's funny. But, yeah, it was really interesting. And I was thinking she um, she talks about how we don't learn about, like, how to smell or how to name smells um, like we do about other senses. And I was thinking about, like, how we do do that with, like, early childhood development. You know, there's a focus on, like, color and, like, touch and um, maybe we can incorporate more smells and stuff into those kinds of, like, early literacy practices. I think you're right. I think that's, you know, I th- I've seen that in a lot of the things I've read about wine. Obviously, you know, smell is part of taste, too. I mean, there's no taste without smell, as we all know, when you've had a bad cold or hopefully not COVID. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, overall, it's like, yeah, I think that we don't, we sort of smell as kind of the, most ignored of the senses, probably. You know, mm-hmm. people don't think about it that much. Yeah, and she was saying, like, in the English language, we don't even have very many, like, words for, to describe how things smell. Yeah. Like, she said, like, musty is one, but, like, most of the words we used to describe about smells are, like, you know, similes to other senses. Um, so, yeah, I thought that that was really interesting, and probably, like, my favorite part of the the book she like gets this kit and she like commits to just like smelling four smells a week and like um and how it like helps her even be able to recognize smells that she like thought she was like sent blind to before which is like really interesting anyways i would recommend it and i would recommend among others too do you guys have anything else to say about your books jennifer you've not read cork dork jacob i have not read cork dork or lord of light I yeah, I haven't may read either of the read, other books. Yeah, I would probably read Cork Dork just because I I do read some of those. I like the what are they? What are those? The like food things. I think that we read last uh, year before last in the book club. We read one on you know truffles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the oh, truffles, the truffle underground. The truffle, the truffle underground. Yeah, that's and, a know, good so book are, too. Those are fun, and I don't even really you know appreciate truffles, but I. Yeah, yeah. So I'd read that one. And for among others, I was that was one that I was just surprised was not already on your Goodreads. But um, so that was that was the big that was the big um, selection Mm -hmm. key there. Yeah. There's this other part of Cork Dark that I really liked where she goes to this party, like a fancy wine party. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's like part of some week long event that they do in New York every year. She really, I mean, she must have had this book deal before she got to do all of the stuff, because it sounds like it got her into lots of places um, that she wouldn't have otherwise been able to go to, like this fancy party. Um, yeah, I think it did. I think she already had the deal, and then <laughs> yeah, that helped her. <laughs> yeah, it gave her a lot of access to people and things. But, like, everyone brings, like, their own bottle of wine to this big party, like, really fancy wine, and then they just, like, mm-hmm. drink it all. And it just like a picture of like extreme excess. But it made me think of that because like one of the men um, and they're all, you know, like really wealthy people. One of the men and their bottles of wine are like thousands of dollars. Um, 
sitting at her table had brought just like big truffles from wherever he was from and was just like shaving pieces off and just like handing them out to people to, to eat with their wine. <laughs> oh, yes. Our society of excess. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I definitely learned a lesson that if I'm going to do this kind of thing again, I'll definitely pick a book that I've read before. I can I can guarantee that mm-hmm. at least I enjoyed it, so there's a chance that you'll enjoy it. But even then, like the book that got me back into reading, like is like your least favorite book of all time. Uh-huh. Like you hate it, like you absolutely hate it, and so it's just like, well, there's some incompatibility there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one is that? Which one is that? I don't know if I've heard that story. So Jacob's favorite book is the worst book in the world, which is Red Rising. <laughs> worst book in the world. <laughs> so it's, it's not my favorite. Book. I thought you thought I, Mo- I thought you thought Moby Dick was the worst book in the world. I actually I haven't read Moby Dick. The thing with <laughs> Moby Dick is that I have a theory that like no one has actually read it. Uh, <laughs> hey, I told you I have read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> you don't believe me. I know, but I have. Uh, no, and you know it's probably not the worst book in the world. I definitely finished Red Rising, although I finished it like in a rage. I was so furious <laughs> at the end of that book. I just thought it was like incredibly um, misogynistic. Um, Jacob and I had had this argument before. <laughs> um, I've heard this argument before. <laughs> who's the author? Pierce Brown. Yeah, yeah it's, I, the first book is really like hard to get through in some ways of that because it it does like there are basically very few women characters and the characters that are women that do exist only exist to further male characters. And like, yeah, by by violence committed against them. Right. And that was one of the things that I struggled with the book myself. But um, by the time that I got through the rest of the series, like, um, you know, that was kind of a footnote or, you know, something left in the past that, yeah, it was bad, but you know, the other two books didn't do that. And then nor of the two that have come after that since then. So it's like, you know, but that, there is still that, you know, tainted image from the first book that will, you know, kind of leaves the rest of the series with that spot, so to speak. Yeah, I've definitely heard that from other people who are really critical of the first book, too. But, like, in my mind, why why would I read the second one if I hated the first one so much? It's like <laughs> there are other, like, series where I felt that way where I'm like, I'm just not going to continue. That's, um, easier, that's the easier way to go, though, instead of the one where you – you know, you immerse yourself in the series and about, you know, six volumes in, all of a sudden it, it goes and, south. And then it turns terrible. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to decide, am I going to keep plowing away because I've got to see how this ends or <laughs> <laughs> do I give up all hope? Yeah. And it also helped that I had, um, like, several friends who had read it. So, you know, they were kind of telling me, oh, yeah, it gets better. Like, this is, you know, the second and third books really pick up and do some different things. And, you know, I pushed myself through it because I wanted to be able to talk with my friends about it. So there was that kind of connection that, you know, pushed me forward. But I I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I think when I read it, they did like none of the other ones had been published yet. And I was like, I don't know. I just hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you read that book, Chris? I have not read that one. Jennifer? Nope. It was, like, a big deal when it was published, and it was one of those books where it was, like, like they published it as adult sci-fi, which it is, but, like, a lot of people kept wanting to call it a young adult. And then when I read it, I was, like, why I would never have published this, because it's so misogynistic. (laughs) (laughs) 
but it did, I think, win, like, the Young Adult Fantasy Award on Goodreads that year, which is always frustrating. Goodreads isn't great about publishing categories and stuff for the awards. They just, I don't know how he makes that decision. Um, but it's always kind of frustrating to see a book win, like, a um, category in those, like, Reader's Choice Awards, where it's, like, not even that kind of a book. There have been other things, too, where it's, like, this book, re- you know, won in humor. And I'm, like, that's not, you know... It's just a memoir. It's not like a humor. Book. <laughs> <laughs> or there have been weird things where it's like, um, like The Shape of Water, like the book adaptation of the movie won an award, but like it got more votes than like it had ratings. Like more people voted for it than had like even logged on Goodreads that they'd read it. It's like you can't just watch a movie and then like vote in like a book choice award. That's, that's like your favorite right. book. <laughs> it's like reading the book and then voting, saying, "Yeah, that's got to be the best Academy Award one because I love that book." <laughs> I love that book. What else are you? What else are you guys reading right now? So I have been working on "I Am Behind You." I think I was even the last time I was on the podcast, like I was still making my way through that. Like I started that in late 2019, um, and I just kept putting it down and just kind of like not getting back into reading. It was just a real struggle for me, but I was listening to the audiobook. I probably checked it out like 10 times on Hoopla and I finally finished it. Um, and I, I did end up enjoying it. Um, it was very slow in plotting and just took forever to, for anything really to happen. And even then I was kind of left like feeling a bit empty afterwards because it didn't have a, a real um, like, conclusive ending i guess um but then i just started recently um meddling kids the audiobook the audiobook for that oh and i, I read I, the, I read the actual book of that one mm-hmm. what do you think of it i liked it it wasn't i mean it wasn't like a great book but it was a fun book it was fun in a way that you know seeing something a different take on the whole you know scooby-doo thing <laughs> mm-hmm. Since I grew up watching that cartoon, it, it, yeah, so. And I also grew up watching that cartoon. <laughs> so it's expanded and been passed through several generations. That's right. I've been listening to an audiobook for like a long time too, and it's not that it's like I like it. It's it's called um, it's like I'll but I'll listen to it for like you know a couple of hours for a day and then like forget about it, and then it like is due in Libby. And I'm like, oh, uh, renew. <laughs> But it's called Learning from the Germans. It's by Susan Nyman, and it's like um, it's a nonfiction about um, how like a nation can kind of like heal from racial crimes and like you know. So it talks about like um, Germany after um, the after World War Two, after the Holocaust, and the different ways um, like over you know several decades, like the German people. Um, started to, like, heal from that and, like, make reparations for it and, like, continue to do that, like, today. And it compares that to, like, the United States and the legacy of, like, slavery and Jim Crow and what the United States can learn from, like, what Germany did. It's really, really interesting. And the author of the book is American. She's a a Jewish-American from the South, who um, has lived and taught in Germany, um, like, since the early 80s. So she has, like, a really interesting perspective. 
So it's good. I'd recommend it if you're interested in um, that topic. But it is like, it's and it's well read as an audiobook. But it is one where it's like I'll listen to it for a little while and then like I'll put it down and like come back to it like three weeks later. Jennifer, what'd you pick up? Um, so this is one uh, solutions and other problems by oh, yeah. Ali Brosh, and so she um, wrote Hyperbola and a Half. So it's in our graphic novel collection, and it's mostly mostly graphic. Um, but she writes it's I guess memoir-ish. This mm-hmm. one's less memoir and more just kind of, you know, a mix of, of stories that, you know, and things that she thinks about and has happened to her. Um, and it's one that I think I probably checked out a while ago and read a bunch and then I set it down for three or four weeks. And so I just picked it up again. Um, I'm still not in a reading mood, but um, or mode, but, um, but yeah, this one, it's fun. She's hilarious. I mean, she's got her, her goofy little drawings. <laughs> no, she's not a great artist, but, um, they're very yeah. impressive and, and yeah, she's, she's pretty funny. So it's, you know, good to have a laugh. Yeah. I really liked her, uh, her other one. Yeah, hyperbole and a half. So mm-hmm. solutions and other problems yeah, is her, her newest good. one. And she's uh, a Pacific Northwest author. I think she's based in Bend now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, she's funny. I remember specifically this one thing where she's talking about, like, bargaining with yourself. And she's yeah. like, okay, if I do this, then I can do this. And then, like, her other <laughs> self is like, right. you don't have to, though. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And in that one, she dressed, she addressed a lot of like, you know, mental health issues and, you know, just kind of like, this is how I talk myself out of going out of the house today. Um, yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So this one so far is feeling a little bit more random and different, you know, um, different, but it's still, it's still really funny. I like it. Chris, what are you reading? I'm reading a couple of things right now. Um, well, trying to. I, I'm kind of in the same mode that Jennifer is in terms of I haven't been reading a lot recently, so trying to pick. So I'm picking up little bits here and there, but I'm reading on a very light side. I'm reading the new Jane Haddam mystery, one of our own, a Gregor Namarkian. It's, it's going to be the last one of her series. She's announced it as the last one of the series, and I've been reading it since it started. So um, even though I don't read a lot of mystery anymore that I used to, because I used to read a lot of that too, um, but I want to read it. I want to see how she's going to end it, if it's going to be an end end or just what's going to happen with that. So I'm just kind of curious. I'm just starting to do that. And I've been working on this book. How well you can see it here. The Hidden Half of Nature, the Microbial Roots of Life and Health. It's related to, of course, sort of in wine because it's talking about plants and animals, but it's talking about the whole uh, microbiomes, both in the soil for plants, but also in like in our bodies and uh, how important those are and a lot, how a lot of those things have been changing over the last, uh, you know, 50 years, especially with changes in how we produce food and things like that. So that, you know, why we're not getting some of the things that we're, some of the things we are getting in terms of diseases are causes from this as well as, uh, things that we're not getting from our food that you know our food is not as nutritious as it used to be because of the kind of the industrialized complex of, of you know producing food so it's it's but it's written in a really uh interesting way it's a husband and wife one i can't remember what they're other one is a 
professor of geomorphology, so in geology field, that the wife is a biologist and an environmental uh, planner. They live up in Seattle, so they're Northwest people as well. It's been about half, a little over halfway through it. It's, it's been really interesting. I've learned a lot. Sounds interesting. You guys, does anybody else have anything to say? I don't know. I feel like this has been a pretty short conversation, even though there's four of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're not... We're not chatty today, necessarily. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I think it was fun. To, I just this whole prospect, this whole thing that happened was kind of fun. I think it might be interesting to do that with, you know, maybe others of us should do a do a similar thing. Yeah. Just, it doesn't even have to be part of the podcast, but even just part of just the. I think it's interesting to see. It would be interesting to see what people will based on what you put in, what people would pick for you. I think that's just to me that's the most interesting part of all of this. Yeah. Um. And it's fun. Uh, there have been some people like um, who like when they request stuff, they're like, "It must be really fun to pick books for other people." And I'm just like, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> um, and it is like a mix. Like oftentimes, like we get, like I was doing a sampler the other day, and the the person was like, "Feel free to just put in some of your favorites." And so I was like, "Okay, that's fun." But often we are, you know, picking things and that we haven't like read necessarily, but. Um, you know, that you've heard of or or well-reviewed or they kind of like sound like what someone is interested in. And, you know, the bigger the sampler, I feel like the more, you know, like if you request 15 books for us, there's more room to like toss in something that, you know, might be like a little bit different than what they asked for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It's fun. I also think it's it's a little stressful too at times because you know, <laughs> someone like myself, who you you want people to like what you pick, you're hoping they're gonna like. Right. What you pick. So you're thinking, are they gonna like this or not? Uh-huh. <laughs> or sometimes we get ones that are like uh, picture book ones where it's like, they you know have they read all these picture books already? Did I give them to them yeah. last month? And we have uh, some you know very regular repeat con- customers that say you know fifteen mysteries or 10 mysteries, you know, and <laughs> they've definitely gone outside of my experience with mysteries. So then I'm you know, just kind of looking to see what I haven't already. I'm actually I'm keeping starting to keep lists for some of those people because I did, I was putting one together yesterday and it's like, Oh, I already gave her this book. So find something else. <laughs> And we only have so much Scandinavian noir. And <laughs> right. <laughs> I think the hardest for Which me like is picking out movies for other people. Oh. I, yeah, I have a hard time with movies. Yeah, I feel way less confident about it than um, than picking books for other people. Like, I was doing, like, a couple, and it's like, she'd said that she'd like pretty much anything. So I felt like, but I didn't want to pick, like, five things, and she's already watched all of them. I think there's, like, that's, like, more likely to have happened if you're picking mm-hmm. movies or TV shows. Sure. But yeah, that's that's definitely the hardest the hardest for me. Yeah, for me it's it's kind of the same as um with kind of what Jennifer was saying where I get a lot of repeat customers and so I'm I, again you said it back to Becky, but where I just get a lot of repeat customers and like, did I already give them this book? Um when I'm giving out, you know, fifteen or twenty picture books at a time I start feeling like I'm kind of like giving, I don't want to give them the same stuff over and over again, but at the same time, picture books are usually pretty rereadable. If they're good. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I do think about that. Like, well, then, you know, the kids probably not going to be mad if they right. read, you know, trying. Yeah. I had, 
one one of the first ones I got had, um, you know, because they were looking at, at graphic novels and comic books. And so, like, I'm picking out, you know, my favorite things. And then I end up getting a request from the same person to pick out some more. It's like, what did you give them last time? <laughs> so so now right. I'm, you know, keeping a list for that because I've had, I think I've put together maybe three or four for that person now. Yeah, there was one I did, and um, she was asking for, like, something kind of, like, magical, but, like, you know, to take her away from, like, current events. And I was like, I know, just the things. And so I picked, you know, some, and then, you know, like, a month later, she sent another one. It's like, oh, I like these, more like this. And I'm like, oh, I sent you my best stuff. (laughs) 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 Now she's going to make you work and really figure out what else you have. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I got just the thing for you, and then they want just the thing again. You're like, okay, that's when it gets really hard. Um, so next time, I'm going to be talking about the other two books from the library sampler. Um, and I'll just say now, I really feel like, um, so Austin picked The Meadow, and I really enjoyed that one, and, and Daniel picked uh, The Song of Achilles, which I think is, like, far and above my favorite book of the, these five that I read. It was so good, and I'll talk about it. But it was like, when I read it, I was like, I don't know. Like, this is the best one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so I'm excited to to talk about that one next time. We'll be talking about those two books. So, yeah, so thank you guys for coming on and talking to me about this and for indulging um, this experiment for me. It's been fun. I also really liked the opening like the unboxing process. Like I'm just like happy to get Jacob to wrap all of the books like presents so that I could open them from the bag. And like I, we do hear from my patrons who are just excited to like see, you know, what's in there. I definitely, I requested a, a sampler from Fort Vancouver library from the Woodland library a while ago, maybe October. And I haven't read any of those books, but it was a joy to open the bag and see what they put in. <laughs> I still have them. Um, and I, you know, I might, I might get to them, but it's a fun, it's a fun process. So thanks guys for coming on. Thanks for reading four out of five books. (laughs) I read over half of Lord of Light. Four and a half books out of five. Four and a half books, yeah. I logged it. I was like, I spent far more time trying to read this book than I spent reading any of the other books. So it counts. See, that's the podcast you can talk about. We can talk about the books that we've all tried to read that we can't get mm-hmm. through. So I think we all have those as well. Yeah, and they're probably all Moby Dick. Yeah. <laughs> I did start Moby Dick. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On, on that note, um, you've been listening to your show? Or mine. Or mine. Or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Jennifer. I'm Chris. And I'm Jacob. Thanks. Bye. 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 Studio time for Your Shelf or Mine is donated by KLOG, Cooking Country, and 1015 The Wave. We at the Longview Public Library thank our local stations for their ongoing support. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McEldry from A Song for You. 
Find Megan on Facebook or Twitter at Meg McKeldry or online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldry. Or mine. <laughs>